This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Thank you for being here. Let me say um, happy Father's Day uh, to everyone. And I say it to everyone because everyone's got a father somewhere, had one somewhere along the line. I look forward to uh, calling my dad today. My dad's 83. Have you called him yet, Donna? He's in church. No, he's not in church yet. Yeah, you're in church. All right. Yeah, don't call him now. I'm going to call him today and wish him happy Father's Day as I have for all these years. And, uh, and my dad will say this to me. This is, this is, listen, dads. My dad will say to me, every time I call him, he'll say, Rick, I pray for you every day. How about you, dad? You pray for your kids every day? Yeah. My dad prays for me every day. He's, he's prayed for me already this morning that I, that I preached the word this morning. And, and, uh, but I'm so excited to be here with you and to see all of you here. And so many of you are here on vacation. And thank you for coming and worshiping with us. We're going to talk today about we're in a series called Raising the Bar, about the bar that God has set for us as believers I believe that in this day and in this time, in this culture, in our society, at least here in the United States, we have lowered and continue to lower the bar for Christians. To try to make what we believe and how we're supposed to live palatable to the rest of society. And I think we're making a tragic error. So we're going to talk today about the bar and talking about how God's got a bar set for us in in relationships, talking about making the right relationships. Relationships, I don't care who you are today. Well, I do care. But what I mean by that is I really do care. Um, Relationships that we make in life make up maybe the most important parts of our lives. All of us have relationships, at least in some form, and the people with whom we partner in life are the biggest influencers in our lives, aren't they? Some people think the Bible is just pie in the sky, religious babble that doesn't relate to real life, but they're very, very wrong. The Bible addresses pretty much every life situation that you can go through because God is interested in your life. He's interested in my life. It's not just a book of doctrine and theology, although that's so very important but it's a book of practical life lessons. And included in those lessons is the idea of maintaining healthy partnerships and the need, listen to me, the need, Christian, the bar is raised, the need to get out of those relationships that may not be. We'll talk about that a little bit this morning. What are some of the major partnerships that we form in life? Well, how about one? Here's one, friendship. Friendships at the... When I say partnerships now, I'm not talking about everybody that you know. I'm talking about friendships at the highest levels. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.24, read this with me. It's up on the screen. Read, Read it aloud with me. A man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. That's a partner. All right, that kind of friend. Not simply an acquaintance, but but that friend or maybe a handful of friends at the most that you'll have in your life of these kind of partner friends, maybe a handful, those people that you trust with the details of your life, they're your 
BFFs. Right? And if you don't know what that means, find somebody younger than you and ask them. There are those that you people in your life that you are, you are committed to and they are committed to you. The few friends that you may have that you can call in an emergency or when you're in need. Likely, as I said, you'll have in your whole lifetime less than a handful of friends at this level, this partnership level. Those who would do whatever they can to help you. and Those who will go with you through the toughest times. Stick with you through the thick and the thin. Those kind of friends, if you haven't thought of them this way, those kind of friends are partners in your life, aren't they? They're partners. And you may not even have seen this person, maybe those people in a long time, but you know a phone call is all it takes. That's all it takes to get them on my team and get them helping me out and, and responding. Then there's business partnerships. That's what we think of most of the time we think of partnerships. Not necessarily the people that you work with at your job. For most of us, the people we work with were not our choices, you know. You, you went and applied for a job and got interviewed, whatever, and you're, and you're put in with this group of people uh, hired by your employer. And, and maybe as you work together, and, and this happens a lot of times in people's lives, you work with people day after day, and they become friends and maybe even become best friends. But by business partners, I mean those people that you unite with, that you invest with, that you take risks with to own a business. You share assets. You make joint decisions about the direction of the business. And business partners often, if they don't start out that way, they become close friends. So they may be partners, partners on a couple of levels. But you're joined as partners with your business partners, usually contractually and by financial arrangement. Arrangement. Hopefully not arraignment, right? I'm looking for Jeff. Yeah, amen on that. Yeah, he's district attorney here locally. He doesn't want to see any of you this week in his place of business. There doesn't have to be any love between business partners. Doesn't have to be. Only a common goal to be successful together. And even if one or more of the partners is silent, and sometimes that's the case, one guy puts out the money and the other guy runs the business. Business partnerships. Highest level of friends, those are partnerships. Here's a third one, the marriage partnership. We all know of couples who got married. And everyone who knew them, maybe some people at the wedding, wondered why. Why are you marrying that guy? Marriage is a partnership, isn't it? Yeah. And unlike most other partnerships in life, marriage is intimate on lots of levels, levels that go deeper than a business relationship will go, that will go deeper than friendships. So it's no surprise that the Bible teaches us that not only is marriage a sacred union, it's intended to be a lifelong union. And for the Christian, marriage makes, it makes all the difference in the world. Listen to me, if your spouse is a Christian, you young people not yet married, listen to what I have to say. Listen to the old guy up front. It makes all the difference in the world if your spouse is a Christian. When you say, well, what about dating relationships? Should I date a Christian? Are those partnerships? Well, it depends on how they develop. Just one date? No, that's not a partnership. 
But we used to teach our children, they can, they can tell you that they, they could finish this quote. If, they, if I stood them up here, and um, Rachel was up here singing, I don't know where she is now, but if I said to Rachel, every date is a, there she is, she, I heard it from the back row. Every date is a potential mate. So don't date stupidly. All right, because you might marry stupidly and then become a stupid lover, all right? <laughs> Think about that. I mean, I, I'm married, and, and uh, by the way, Gail and I, our anniversary is Tuesday, 42 years, huh? Yeah. She's in here, she's on the back row too, and she's the one that taught me that every date is a potential mate. She didn't tell me that while we were dating. Might have scared me off, you know. <laughs> but hammered that into our kids. In reality, the partnership with marriage begins with engagement, I guess. But until the deal is sealed in marriage, it's a partnership in escrow. You can always back out. And so even in dating, you need to be using biblical principles as your guidelines. Because one of those dating relationships, those of you who are single, and I said young people, but some of you are single old people. Um, one of those dating relationships may very well turn into a lifelong partnership. And marriage is a partnership that requires constant work to make it work. It's a partnership where it requires a lot of work. Amen, ladies? Don't say anything, guys. All right, now. Because your wives know you're the piece of work, <laughs> right, that she's got. How about church partnerships? Here's another one. Here at Nag said Church, we call those in membership with our church partners, meaning we all have agreed to certain things and commitments to each other, to commitments to the Lord, commitment to the scriptures, things like fellowship and love and accountability and teamwork. And as you saw these young people standing out in front of us, wasn't that great this morning? Mission. I've also often described partnership in a church as being similar to a marriage relationship. God puts us together according to his plan. It's, it's not a random, listen to me, church partnership is not a random take it or leave it relationship. It matters for so many reasons. Not only that we who are Christians have a partnership relationship with a local church, but that it is a healthy partnership. Paul explained membership that we have in the church in 1 Corinthians 12, and he used the word, I love this word that he used, he used the word belong. You belong. He used the same idea writing to another group of churches in Galatia, and he said this in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith, who belong to your church. It's a great description, I think, of our partnership. So God has a bar, if you will, that he has raised and he has set when it comes to partnerships. And he says, in your partnerships, here's the goal. Now, last week we looked at the bar that Jesus set for our lives. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus said, be perfect. And literally the Greek says, you will be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And he was telling them, and he's telling us that one day we will be complete. We will be perfect. We will be mature, if you will. That's our goal. Now, the Apostle John, who 
heard Jesus say those words in that sermon that day, later on, many, many years later, wrote these words in 1 John 3, 2. He said, we are God's children now. Right? If you're a believer in Jesus, you're God's child now. Your eternal life began the moment you accepted Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior and you were born again. Now you are a child of God. And what we will be, what's coming, he said, has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, as we pray, Lord, your kingdom come. When he appears, then we will be like him. Well, how is Jesus? Jesus is perfect. Jesus is complete. When will this promise that Jesus made that you will be perfect, it will happen when we are face to face with him. Because we will see him as he is. Turn with me in your Bibles to to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read from there in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 5. One of the things that we as Christians are is people being made, we talked about this last Sunday, people being made new day by day, moment by moment as we walk with the Lord. That means that as a Christian, and it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian as I have for nearly, I've been a Christian for 50, 53, 54 years, something like that. Or whether you've been a Christian like somebody in this room I know for one week, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. God's goal is for you and me day by day, moment by moment to walk with him and allow him to change us and continue, as we talked about the high jumper, increment by increment, half inch here and a quarter inch there. Usually it's not a foot at a time. Usually it's a little bit here and a little bit there day by day as he changes us, taking us from where we began when we began with him, where we began to where he wants us to be. So as we grow and as we mature, we're constantly taking off our old ways and putting on Christ's new ways. We talked in one of the songs about the white garments that we we wear. Putting on the new ways. And one way our lives change and is how and how we regard those with whom we partner as we form relationships. If you go back a few verses before chapter 5, if you were to go back to chapter 4, you would see the things that Christ in us works to change in us. He wrote in verse 22 of chapter 4, you took off your former way of life. Verse 23, and he said, and you are being renewed. Verse 24, and you put on, you took off the former things and you put on the new man. Then he writes about in chapter 5, he writes about partnerships. I'm going to begin reading. In verse 6, follow with me. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedience because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. Whose partners? The disobedient. For you were once darkness. Before you became a Christian, you lived in darkness. Did you not? I did. We all did before we were Christians. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. So walk, live as children of the light. In other words, don't live like you used to live. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate 
in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Let's stop there. What does God say here in this passage about good partnerships? Number one, good partnerships share the same values. Remember, we talked about four different kind of partnerships in your life. So we're talking to everybody here, whether it's your friends, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your church, whether it's your business partners, share the same values. And the Bible, Paul here lays out some significant contrasts. He said it's like obedience versus disobedience. It's light versus darkness. And he talks about in that first verse about empty arguments. What are those? Arguments used to somehow justify wrong and immoral behavior. And they've been around forever. You ever try to talk with somebody rationally who all they have is empty arguments to justify wrong or immoral behavior? In the 60s, we were told that, hey, you know what? As long as nobody else gets hurt, any behavior is okay. And we were, we were told that in order to justify free love. Hey, it's okay if you can't be with the one you love. Honey? Yeah, a bunch of old people in here. Right? <laughs> but we know that's an empty argument because that argument for free love was quickly followed in the 70s with another argument. And that argument was that, well, a woman has a right to her own body, including ending the life of her unborn child. Where did that come from? It came from love the one you're with. And the empty arguments continue against the word of God. And it started, when did it start? It started not in the 60s. Please understand, you children of the 60s, you're not the bad people of the world. It started in the Garden of Eden. Now, Satan argued with Eve that, hey, you know, come on out, come on, come on, listen, girl. My paraphrase. Listen, girl, he, he, you and Adam, you're all, he's God in this world. You, you really don't think that he would go through with what he said if you eat that fruit off of that tree, do you? Come on, think he loves you too much. That's an empty argument. And Paul warns those that because of these arguments against God and the standards that God has set up for us, that those who choose to follow Adam in disobedience will be recipients, he says, he says it, of God's wrath. You understand wrath? Wrath is serious anger. Be recipients of God's wrath, God's judgment. So logically, Paul goes off to give a warning after he says that, to those of us who are Christians about partnering, if we partner with those who choose disobedience. You see, he says to us as Christians, here's the difference between you and the rest of the world. You've chosen obedience, haven't you? When did I choose that? Well, when you chose to obey the gospel and believe in Jesus, you chose obedience. You've chosen to obey by following that belief with baptism. Jesus said, be baptized. And so he said, okay, and I'll be baptized. You chose obedient, setting yourself on the road to learning and, and following Christ. And please hear this. Uh, this is just simple. And again, for our guests, I, I'm a simple guy. I like simple stuff. Helps me grasp it. When the Bible argues a point about anything, it's anything but empty. 
You hear that? Why? Because it's God's word. And that's when, why when someone's about to make a horrible choice in their life's direction and says, I'm going to nail some of you right now. Someone's about to make a horrible choice in their life's direction. And maybe a pastor or a Christian friend comes and talks to them about it. And they say, but you don't understand. Here's the empty argument. I've prayed about it. You say, that's an empty argument? Could be. If it's a horrible choice, unless the answer to their prayers lines up with Scripture. Sometimes people say, this is what I'm going to do. And I say, but you know what? The Bible says don't do that. Let me show you the Scripture. It's okay, Pastor. I've prayed about it. As though that gives us carte blanche to do our own thing. It does not. That's an empty argument. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 16. The Bible says, don't be mismatched with unbelievers. And he asks the question, for what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Answer the question, none. All right. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And the answer is, if we closed the doors, turned out all the lights in this room, it would be what? Dark. But as soon as we press that button and turned, out the, turned on the lights, what happens to the darkness? It's gone. Light dispels darkness. What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Another way of saying the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does God's sanctuary? Church, you've heard me tell you this for years. God's sanctuary, God's temple is where? Here. What agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? Why? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. Another version reads that opening phrase there, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Another version says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And the picture there is of a farmer hitching up two different animals, an ox and a, and a mule, let's say, together to pull his plow. And you know, the two different kind of animals. One wants to go fast, the other wants to go slow. One's stronger, one's a little weaker. One wants to go right, the other one wants to go left. The ox wants to go straight ahead. The mule says, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to sit here for a while. One can work hard all day and the other needs to take breaks. But he says, what the, one does what the farmer says, these two different, the other maybe not so much. It's, it's sort of like, this will help if you're not a farmer, you don't have an agricultural background and not too many of you remember plowing with animals. It's kind of like pairing a dog and a cat. Doesn't work too good, does it? I mean, they, they both have four legs. They both have a, a tail. They both have ears. They both have eyes, but they won't work well together. Why? Get this. Here's what he's saying here. Because their natures are different. Their natures are different. So that's why he says, don't partner with unbelievers. This isn't really about having differing or opposite personalities. Here's something I've learned in my years um, in life is that often the most successful marriages, the most successful marriage partnerships paired two different personalities together. Have you noticed that? Very different personalities. My wife and I are very different personalities, but we work together as a team pretty well. 
One's outgoing, maybe. The other one is shy. One's talkative and the other one's quiet. It's always fun to watch and see where the talkative one is the male and the quiet one's the female. That always blows my mind. But that's, some of you maybe are in here like that. Steve Segrist. Um, <laughs> true Carol? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One throws all the food together on the plate. The other won't let different foods touch on the plate. Any of those freaky people here? <laughs> my peas are touching my potatoes. Please understand, I won't eat peas unless I can throw them in the potatoes. I want the potatoes to kill the taste of the peas. <laughs> and my, my justification is, hey, once they go past my throat and down to my stomach, they're going to mix together anyway. Might as well give them a head start. How many of you married someone opposite of you? Raise your hand. Tell the truth. Yeah. I should say, how many are still married to someone? <laughs> this isn't about this partnerships thing. I want you to understand. It's not about personalities, though. It's about natures. And our natures, why is that important? Because our natures determine our values. And we said good partnerships share the same values. Our natures determine our values. If your nature is you are a new creation in Christ, and so is your partner in business and friendship, so forth, then you have the same values. You share the same values. Secondly, good partnerships share the same beliefs. If you're a Christian, Paul says you are called to live in the light. And the only difference... This is not about being good or not being good as much as it is about what we believe because the only difference between light and darkness is what we believe. And what a difference that makes. All the difference in the world. You see, beliefs are really the foundation of our values. We act, we do, we live based upon what we believe. Amos 3.3, read that with me. The two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And the answer is no. You know, let's go for a walk, all right? I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to, you're going to go that way. Well, that's not walking together, is it? Unhealthy alliances or partnerships can erode our character and our conviction. How many parents ever told your teenager, I'm not so sure about that crowd you're hanging out with? Why? Because unhealthy alliances can erode our convictions. They can erode our morals, our character. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, Paul said, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And as the saying goes, if you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. More often than not, more often than not, you're not going to pull someone in the darkness up. More often than not, they're going to pull you down. What happens when those values clash in a partnership? What happens when your business partner says, listen, we're going to have to cut corners. We're not going to do the job quite as good as we could do because we've got to save some money somewhere, so we're going to cut corners. What happens when your partner says, listen, it's okay to cheat on our taxes 
What do you mean when you've made a commitment to give? What do you mean? Partner, when you said you've made a commitment to give a portion of your income, of our income to God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When your values clash, the temptation is to compromise your convictions and that becomes self-destructive. Number three, good partnerships share transparency. Paul says that when our partnership is based upon our common relationship with the Lord, there is light. And light, he says, quote, results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Life makes everything clear. It dispels the darkness. It exposes the darkness, Paul says. You ever use a flashlight to go and search for something in a dark place? that you're looking for and you cannot see with the, the light in the, on the ceiling on, you just, but you get the flashlight to find it. Light and darkness, Paul says, can't exist together. Now, we've all been in relationships where someone else has been hiding something from us. And there's a lack of there in that relationship, in that partnership, lack of integrity and lack of honesty. Does that ever end up with a happy ending when there's that lack of honesty? No, because partnerships, friendships, marriage, church, business really are dependent on trust. And when trust is blown, so is the partnership. If you've been on the hiding side, what happens is you start hiding and you have to do what? Keep on hiding things and it just grows and expands. God wants our partnerships to be transparent to be full of light and not darkness. And that starts, how does that begin? Simply, that starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He came to to rid our lives of the darkness of sin. And once he is your savior, he says to us, to you and to me, he says to us, my bar is raised, listen, above the darkness of this world. Not in the darkness, my bar or comes out of the darkness, including in your partnerships. So let me wrap up with a couple next steps. In your notes, every Sunday there's your outline, the last thing says, so what's my next step? Let me suggest a couple possibilities here this morning. Number one, and I think everybody can do this, if you're a Christian, certainly. Commit to establishing godly partnerships in my life, in my relationships, in my friendships, in my business, in my church. Uh, Those of you who are single and hoping that one day you won't be, I'm not talking to those of you who are married and hoping the opposite. I'll mention that in a second. Those of you who are single and hope to one day be married, if you are a Christian, would you please today Make the commitment to the Lord that you will only seek a partnership with another godly Christian. That I will only marry somebody who knows Jesus. Say, well, that rules out a whole lot of nice looking people. Yes, it does. But I got good news for you. God's got plenty of really sweet, nice, sharp people in his family who are looking for you. All right? 
Commit to establishing godly partnerships. Secondly, bring unhealthy partnerships to an end. Which means you might have to change the way you do business. Which means you might need to seek out a friend, a new friend, a new partner in a friendship who will lead you to to Christ-likeness, not away from it. You might need to break up with that guy or that girl. Of course, that always begs the question, asks the question. Well, I'm married, already married, and I'm married to a non-believer. Maybe you were a non-believer when you got married. Maybe you were a believer, but you married a non-believer. Rick, are you saying that this means I should seek a divorce? And the answer is no. No. Well, why do you say that? Jot the scripture down. I don't have time to take you there today. But it's pretty self-explanatory. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. All right? Go back and look at that and see what it says to us as Christians about being married to someone who's not. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 you don't divorce him. All right? In fact, Peter tells wives, Christian wives, listen, it's by your conduct, your godly conduct, that some of your husbands are going to be saved. Or, or another way of saying it is never right to do wrong in order to do right. No, you don't divorce. But there's some great teaching in that passage about marriage, so I hope that you go there and read that. So this morning, I guess the, the main lesson that I want us to leave with today is just simply this. Partnerships matter. Whether it's your friends, your marriage, your business, your church, Partnerships matter, and they make a difference in our lives, and they are important to God. How did you become a preacher, Rick? You ever wonder about that? Some of you are wondering. Maybe you shouldn't be, but <laughs> how did you become a preacher? How did, how did you get to the place where you knew this is what God wanted in your life? Not that so much, and I don't believe that being a preacher or a pastor is the best thing you can do. If you're a nurse, that's your calling in life. You'd be the best nurse that, that you can possibly do. If you're a carpenter or a painter in construction, then that's what God's called you to do. And you'd be the best at that that God's called you to do, whatever it might be. I'm not one of those that, oh, the pastor is the highest calling in life. The highest calling in your life and my life is to be what God wants me to be. Aren't you glad that God doesn't want us all to be preachers? <laughs> but how, how, the question, how did I get, there, get here? The short, simple answer is because God put me in a place where I was surrounded with Christian teenagers who were on fire for God. And I had never seen that before. He had to move me all the way across the country to expose me to that. But I'm so glad he did. Did they call me to be a preacher? No, but what happened was my life became open to God to be what he wanted me to do. And I decided I no longer wanted to be either a professional baseball player. Every boy wants to do that. Or a lawyer. You know, that's a good profession sometimes. Um, or a lawyer. I God said, no, no, I want you to do something else. 
But it was the influence of my friends watching them live for God when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. Partnerships matter because they're important to God. So please hear me. I'll finish with this. Don't lower the bar in your life by compromising for less than God's best in your partnerships. Partnerships we make in life make up the most important parts of our lives. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, this is uh, important stuff today because you included it in your word and you never speak just to hear yourself talk. And you're speaking to us today through your word about these most important relationships that we have. And there may be somebody in this room today that realizes something's got to change in my life. My behavior or my partnership, but something's got to give because it's not pointing me to Christ, it's not leading me to Christ's likeness, but it's causing me to compromise some things. My morals, my standards, my integrity, my ethics, whatever it might be. And you want us, God, to have partners who pull us up, not pull us down. I hope and pray, God, that the single folks here today who one day may be married will make a commitment. If they've not already made it, they'll make it today. I will only marry someone who loves Jesus as much or more than I do. And spare them, Father, some tough times ahead. It doesn't mean their marriage will be perfect because we're not perfect as Christians yet. But Father, when we have the same values, goes a whole lot better. I pray that those who may be here today that may be married to someone who's not a Christian, God, that you'll give them grace, that you'll give them patience. Uh, Father, you'll give them a tremendous dose of agape love for their partner, for their spouse, their husband, their wife. And they'll see them as you see that person, someone for whom Christ died, that he loves very much. So however, God, you want us to respond, however you want us to react, I pray that you would lead us to do that today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world. 